a lot of people are in a rush to get somewhere and to make something happen and that's something that leads to a lot of frustration or anxiety sometimes i think enjoy the moment enjoy the process uh don't wish time away that's some advice somebody gave me once is that keep busy but don't wish time away don't say okay next year i'll be happy when this happens or i'll be happy when i get this promotion i'll be happy when i get this job enjoy what you have today because if you look back even from when you were 20 to when you were 15 you've already grown so much you've done so much so appreciate where you are every step of the way and i think the coronavirus has taught us one thing is that the future is always very uncertain all you have is right now this is episode number 96 of the inspiring talk with malini agarwal welcome guys to the inspiring talk my name is bijay gautam i'm your host for this show each week i interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potential On this very special episode of the Inspiring Talk, I chat with Malini Agarwal, widely known by the name of her blog, Miss Malini. Malini is India's most popular celebrity blogger, entrepreneur, and best-selling author of the book, To the Moon, How I Blogged My Way to Bollywood, where she shares her story of starting a Bollywood lifestyle and fashion blog and building it to make one of the most respectful brands out there in the past she has been a tv host with mtv and a radio jockey with radio 1 i invited malini to talk about her story of making it big in the celebrity blogging space lessons learned by working closely with bollywood stars building confidence and believing in your dreams i'm sure this conversation will leave you inspired to believe in your dreams and make it happen Before we jump in if you are listening to this podcast for the first time you may like to subscribe to the show so that you can catch up on a huge library of episodes we have here and if you have been listening for a while it would mean a lot if you can leave an honest review and rate the show so that we can reach out to more people now enjoy the conversation Welcome back inside this episode guys. I am excited to be joined by Miss Malini, Malini Agarwal. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. So it's absolutely a pleasure to have you here. You know, obviously there is, you know, there are not so many people out there who haven't come across your work on internet if they are on the internet obviously and who follow Bollywood and the lifestyle and so on and so forth. So but you started off as a professional dancer. Talk about that. The dreams of that 18, 19 year old Malini. Yeah, actually it was just sort of by fluke in college uh, I joined the dance team and I really enjoyed it. So there was a uh, sort of a, a girl who ran a dance troupe called Ronica Jacob and the Planets and she liked some of the dancers from the college team so she asked us to come join the troupe and then from there we ended up being part of the professional team for about 6 years. Yeah, yeah so we used to dance with, you know, so with like indie pop stars like Sukhbir and Anamika and Shubani Kashyap and then we you know did the uh, Pepsi Dance Connections and Channel V Awards when Peter Andre and the Spice Girls had come to so pretty much all these indie pop stars we would travel around dancing with them 
I actually got to travel quite a bit with Sukhbir. So we danced in Kenya and Pakistan, Dubai. It was really fun. I really enjoyed it. It was a really good group of people too. So what were your dreams as that 18, 19-year-old, you know, Malini? I don't know if I had any specific dreams. I just really enjoyed what I was doing. I always liked the idea of being in entertainment. And at that time, in that generation, being a VJ was the cool career of choice. So I thought for a long time, maybe I will audition. And I did audition to be a VJ as well. And then many years later, I ended up doing my own show on VH1 called Inside Access. So I guess it all came full circle eventually. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned about, you know, traveling to different countries and performing the dance and so on and so forth. And also your father was a diplomat and you had this opportunity to explore the world with them, right? So how has this exposure of going to different countries and being exposed to different culture had changed your worldview? I mean, in, incredibly so, because I think everything that uh, I am today and my personality and all the things I've learned to do is because of my international exposure. I got to meet people from all over the world from the time I was six months old till I was 17. We moved countries every three years. And so as a result, you get to learn so much about different cultures. My best friend was from Korea. And so you learn so much about different people. And because you move every three years, you learn how to be very social and make new friends. So that was also a great skill that I learned. And as a result, became quite an extrovert, which I think plays a big role in what I do today. And I also got to participate in a lot of activities. I used to be part of the drama club. I used to do a lot of debates. So all these things, if I look back, definitely played a big role. Awesome. So when I look back at your journey, you are an example of what's possible if you believe in your you know, dreams. So 20 years ago in 2000, you went to Mumbai with these two suitcases in your hands. And um, what was your dream back then? You went there to become a VJ, as you mentioned, you wanted to be a VJ. Are there any particular inspiration that uh, you know, people whom you looked up to said, you know what, I want to be like that VJ? Or where was that uh, dream planted on your head? So actually, I tried uh, auditioning to be a radio jockey first in Delhi and then also there as a VJ. When I came to Bombay, I didn't have any particular plan in mind. I just really liked the vibe of the city. And I had a friend here who had already moved here. And I guess I wanted to live away on my own and sort of try that. So I moved to Bombay thinking I'll do that. And I really enjoyed the experience of, you know, meeting so many people here. And actually, I tried so many different jobs. I actually went to Pralat Kakkar, who was my one of the first people who, you know, encouraged me to write more and be a copywriter. Then I ended up getting a job at MTV India and writing content for them. Then I became a radio jockey for many years with Go 92.5, which is now known as Radio One. I became uh, the content uh, channel head at Channel V. I was also the programming director at Radio One. So I did all these different things in media. And I started the blog literally as a hobby back in 2008 when I was still doing um, radio and I was still at Channel V. So I think it was all these different things that I got to try. I didn't really have one goal in mind. Of course, I've had various people I've looked up to, whether in media or entertainment. I think my big idols have always been people like Oprah and Ariana Huffington, who I've really admired for all the things they've done because they've also done media. They've also been uh, fabulous entrepreneurs and very inspiring women. Super. So you mentioned about, you know, a lot of different things, a lot of different roles that you have assumed when you landed there in Mumbai, but I'm sure it was not easy. And, you know, things did not just fail on your lap, right? Now you are making it much easier for us saying that I did that, I did that, and I did that. But tell us about like the first, uh, you know, break, because, you know, when you were there in Mumbai, you knew only one person there in Mumbai, and you were living with six other girls and a peasant (laughs) (laughs) at the apartment. So what would you like to call your first break or the turning point in your career there in Mumbai? Wow, I think it's been so long. It's, there's all these little things that happened, right? So I think one of the big turning points was I 
applied for a job with a company called Asia Content just to be a copywriter for them. And I had no idea that they were the ones who created content for MTV India. So I think that was definitely one of my first big breaks where I got a chance to be the channel head of romance and write all the love content and write the content for a lot of VJ scripts, a lot of promos. So that was definitely the first big break. And private radio had just launched in India as well. So the fact that I got a chance to uh, audition to be a radio jockey when radio jockeying had just begun as a career here was absolutely fantastic as well. I got a chance to do that. So that was definitely another big break. And I think that I would just always been in the right place at the right time for me, luckily. And so I you know, met fantastic people. I think the blog also took off because social media had just become quite popular and people had started using Facebook and Twitter and Instagram wasn't even big that big at that time. And uh, so as a result, I ended up you know, creating the blog as just my personal hobby blog, just for fun, something I did on the side. But because I, internationally, I'd seen a lot of blogs that did really well, like Pop Sugar or Just Jared or Perez Hilton. I thought, wow, this is something that I can replicate here because it doesn't exist, especially when you look at media content, it tends to be more gossip and more tabloidy. And I wanted to create something that's just really positive, uplifting, you know, happy content, even in media and entertainment. Yeah. So you mentioned about the blog and I'm going to uh, come to that in a moment. But before uh, you know, we talk about blog, were there anything that you were doing consciously or unconsciously when you were still a job that you later realized, oh, you know, because I picked that skill up when I was at that job, even if uh, you know, my job did not require me to do that. But now here I'm doing my blog, which I uh, you know, might have never thought about uh, you know, doing or starting. But now here I'm using the skill because I picked that up. Were there any things that you did consciously or unconsciously when you were still a job? Yeah, absolutely. I think I've learned a lot about multitasking because I would try lots of different things, even though my job was more to write content. I really enjoyed Photoshop and using Dreamweaver and HTML. So I actually learned quite a bit about building websites. And that's definitely helped me. I learned how to edit my own show. I learned how to edit videos uh, on iMovie. So all these little skills that I learned at work that weren't necessarily my job, definitely looking mm -hmm. back have been very, very useful skills for me. So the reason that I ask that is it's interesting how people now say, you know what, just focus on what you are assigned and why would I go out of the boundary? And, you know, why should I take all these different responsibilities? And right. you never know, you know, what's going to come and, you know, how those skills are going to help you on your own journey later on. So Tuvelia, since you started the blog now, since 2008, you know, you mentioned that it was just a hobby blog. And it's interesting that uh, at your Josh talk, you mentioned about, uh, you know, something that I just started from my sofa on my pajama and I can relate to that sometimes because I literally tell people that you know the way I do podcast is from my bedroom on my pajama right. but uh, uh, when you look back at these last 20 years isn't it incredible you know going to Mumbai and sharing the room with other five girls and with no clue of what life has got in store for you and then now building this really really you know amazing blog out there so how does that journey feel like for you now when you look back at these 20 years? 12 years. It feels like a movie. It feels completely unbelievable because these are not things that you can plan. When I started the blog, there was no such concept of blogging as a career. There, there were people never even used the word influencer for bloggers, you know? And I think it just feels super incredible. I feel very grateful and very privileged. I even, you know, managed to write a book about my life called uh, To the Moon, How I Blogged My Way to Bollywood. And I think you look back and think, wow, I never thought that these little things that I did are going to end up in a novel one day. Uh, so it mm -hmm. feels absolutely unreal and magical sometimes. So, you know, you were not sure how that blog thing is going to come up and turn for you. It just started as a hobby and later on you realized, oh, let me give myself a year yeah. 
you know, to this and let me jump into it and let, you know, let's give it a shot. So what's your advice to people who are not sure about going full into their passion and still want to follow it? I think the key is to try lots of different things. You won't know what you like to do until you don't know what you don't like to do, which is why I always tell people, try lots of different things. You don't have to make up your mind right in the beginning. Even when I was working, I had three different jobs. I used to write my column in the midday. I used to go to Channel V or the Radio One all day. And I was doing the blog at the same time. And I always tell people that if you might have a passion to be an influencer or a blogger, maybe you shouldn't rely on that being your source of income right away. Even when I started out, it wasn't like the blog was my business or a source of income. It was completely editorial. There wasn't any money being made on it. But I used to make my salary at my day job. That way, there was no pressure on me to have to run after brands or have to worry about uh, earning money from it. And I think that's really important. I always tell people this, don't rush into something, just try to make money off of it. You know, Make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and you're passionate about it because it has to be authentic. It has to really stand out because it's unique. That's awesome. And it's interesting that you say, you know, do it for the right reasons. And, you know, a lot of people, when they start something, the first question they ask is, hey, how am I going to make money out of it? Right. right? So, right. Uh, and I think that from what you are trying to say is that should not be uh, the main reason why you are starting uh, the things, right? So any advice and people who are, you know, looking at turning the passion and, uh, you know, and going, looking at making that into their profession someday and then, you know, figure out how they are going to monetize later on so that they can stick to it for the right reason. I think there's a great concept, a Japanese concept called Ikigai, which is a really lovely way to figure out what you should focus on. And Ikigai at the center of it is the answer to the question, what is my goal and my passion? And the four questions are quite simple. It's what do I love to do? What am I good at doing? What can I be paid to do? And what does the world need? Now, it may not always be something that's like, it doesn't have to always be an NGO or something that's a cause. It could be something the world needs that's not been created yet. So you see a lot of amazing ideas on Shark Tank. You see lots of new industries popping up because even of the COVID-19. So you have to think about the answer to all those four questions, and that will help you find your passion. And then it can slowly turn into something that you do for a living. We live in a very interesting and exciting time where you can literally make anything that you love to do into your passion and into your career. So you should think of it that way. Awesome. So now at 43, Malini, when you look back at your life and uh, if you have to, you know, advise to those 20 years old who had just landed in Mumbai or maybe Delhi or wherever, you know, wherever they might have just landed in New York or wherever, what would you advise to those who have no clue of what, uh, you know, they might end up doing in their life? So what would be your number one advice to young girls or young guys? Yeah, I mean, my advice is quite simple. I think that a lot of people are in a rush to get somewhere and to make something happen. And that's something that leads to a lot of frustration or anxiety sometimes. I think enjoy the moment, enjoy the process. Uh, don't wish time away. That's some advice somebody gave me once is that keep busy, but don't wish time away. Don't say, okay, next year I'll be happy when this happens, or I'll be happy when I get this promotion. I'll be happy when I get this job. Enjoy what you have today, because if you look back, even from when you were 20 to when you were 15, you've already grown so much. You've done so much. So appreciate where you are every step of the way. And I think the coronavirus has taught us one thing is that the future is always very uncertain. All you have is right now. And since there is no tomorrow and there's no yesterday, you know, like forever is made up of a series of nows. So enjoy the now. And that's 
probably my strongest piece of advice. So did you feel that way when you were 20? And uh, if even if we look at your journey, right, it took you almost a decade before you started your own blog and were on your own. And like a decade is like a really long time. And if we, you know, on this world of instant gratification, right. I want something tomorrow morning, like, you know, I just posted a picture and I get all of this instant, right? With all yeah. this instant gratification, uh, you know, as we call the delayed gratification is something that's missing on, you know, generation like ours. Uh, you were lucky that, uh, you know, Facebook and uh, Instagrams of the world entered in your life later on. But, you know, to the kids of this uh, age and generation. So did you feel the same way of, hey, you know what, I'm spending a lot of time and there is nothing or you always had, you know, the, just, just the advice uh, that you shared saying that, you know, just to be patient and enjoy the life and let's see where it goes. I probably didn't know that at that time. And I'm sure that I did the same thing, which is why that's my what my advice would be. But just like you rightly said, uh, you know, I started my career before Facebook, before Twitter, before Instagram, when you didn't need to be in this contest for validation. And I'm sure that helped. There was less pressure on me as a result. I didn't need to prove to anyone that I, you know, deserve attention or my work is good. I was able to do it alone by myself with the right people in my environment, whether it's my superior, my manager or my colleagues. And as a result, it's a much safer, more secure, more protected environment. So I think I was lucky that way. I really love social media. So I'm very happy to be in this world. My whole career is thanks to social media and the internet. But I definitely feel it helps being part of that micro generation that also knows how to research in the library and also knows how to use Google. Awesome. So one of the things from early on on your career of, uh, you know, going and interview celebrities and, uh, you know, starting to go out there on the Bollywood parties. And yeah. I'm sure for you, it was totally new and being completely outsider, just going out there on the parties and seeing like, okay, where am I? What am I doing here? Right. So uh, the whole thing about fitting in, right, you know, was that, you know, like a really strong emotion on you saying that, hey, you know what, I don't really belong here. Or you were trying to figure out, hey, should I really fit in here or I can be myself? Was that a kind of a you know, fight that you had on your head early on? If yes, then how did you navigate through that? So luckily for me, because I didn't come into the industry wanting to be an actor, that mm -hmm. competition wasn't really there for me. There isn't so much competition in terms of the media coming in, in that sense, at an event, because everybody's happy to see the media. Everybody wants media attention. So I never felt that way that, you know, how will I fit in? Obviously, I didn't have the fancy clothes or the shoes, or the bags, or maybe the style sense at that time. But it never really struck me as a, uh, something that was going to be a struggle. In fact, being young and being a woman in that space was very new. So people were quite happy to talk to me. They were all, you know, very intrigued about what I was doing, what the blog is, what social media is. And so I never had to stand in the pit with all the guys with the big cameras. They always let me stand in front and do that. So all of these things were actually very helpful for me. Awesome. Uh, you know, what did you learn about confidence? How did you navigate from the situations where you feel, uh, you know, less confident or not good, as good as someone you looked up to? So I think the thing with confidence is that we tend to feel inferior or insecure because we think that other people are judging us. And we don't realize mm. that everyone is feeling the same insecurity or jealousy sometimes because they worry other people are judging them. But none of us have that much time to focus on other people. We're all thinking about ourselves. Other people are really not thinking about us that much as we think. And I think confidence comes from that. And I think it also comes from humanizing other people, right? So if you're nervous to interview someone, realize that there is somebody that they would be nervous meeting too. 
and how would they navigate it? And you think about the fact that if somebody was interviewing you and they would be nervous talking to you, you would want to tell them like, don't be nervous. It's fine. You know, I'm, I'm happy to talk to you. So I try to do that. Obviously, I'm sure initially when I started, I was very nervous. I was definitely shy in front of the camera to begin with. But it's all things you learn over the years and you become better at it. Uh, I'm sure I still have those moments. I have very bad stage fright. So if I have to speak on stage alone, I get very nervous. My hands sweat. I have to practice a lot. Um, but I'm also working on getting over that slowly. Awesome. So, you know, after all the achievements and accolades that you have in your life, you know, there are always certain expectations that people have from you that you are this boss lady, super confident, unapologetic entrepreneur. Uh, so have you ever felt this has made it difficult for you to put your vulnerable self out there saying, you know what, I might be this boss lady, super confident entrepreneur, but I'm also made of my own set of flaws. I'm not perfect either. Yeah. And the great thing, I think one positive thing about social media is that people respond quite positively and great empathy when you talk about it. So if you see a lot of people talk about mental health, they talk about the days they're feeling down. And every time I've done that, I've felt a very nice big flood of love uh, and acceptance and support. So that's been one really good side of social media. And I think it's very important. I encourage everyone who's successful, all the influencers whose lives look perfect on social media should talk about their highs and lows both. Because I think that everyone suffers from FOMO, everyone suffers from somebody else has it perfect, but nobody does. Everyone and we've seen that everyone from Deepika Padukone talking about mental health to Rega Jha to Kusha Kapila to Bhuvan Bham. I think that these are people who everyone looks up to and thinks their lives are perfect, but nobody's is. And I think that's an important message. And I think that the world has and social media has allowed me to show my vulnerability. And I'm grateful for that. So for the people out there who are really, you know, afraid to put out that false story because it takes certain inertia and a lot of courage for you to do that because you are so afraid of all the, you know, judgment that's going to come your way. Uh, is there anything that you have learned, you know, in the past? Or maybe, you know, if you can pull example from your, you know, first time being vulnerable and putting out that story, where did you get that courage from or anything that you'd like to share for people listening to become really yeah, vulnerable? I, I think that what happened is I saw a lot of people sharing personal journeys and stories. And I thought about it. I was like, I haven't really addressed mental health in that way, because I've never, you know, been diagnosed with a mental health concern. But I always thought that everyone who does go to therapy does benefit from it. And I've also, you know, seen therapists and felt much better after that. I think my vulnerability, I probably showed it for the first time when I put up an Instagram post about myself that, you know, so I was born with a birth defect. So I have one kidney. And I never really bothered me because, you know, wow. one kidney is as good as two. Uh, and they both, it functions the same way. But I always wonder, you know, and I put up a post about it saying, you know, people always think about and look at you from your physical exterior appearance. And I wonder if they turned everyone inside out and everybody had two kidneys and you could see I only had one, would people judge me? And I, you know, really tried to equate that. And I was really impressed with how people responded and they really appreciated the vulnerability. And I was trying to make the point that, you know, we only look at external flaws and we look at external shortcomings and judge people based on that. But very often we don't know what someone has going on inside. So just as much as you shouldn't judge them for what's happening with them 
you know, just based on an external experience, you may not know something they're going through. There might be someone who's being accused of something, but they're not necessarily responsible uh, for it, or there's some reasons, or they have their point of view. Similarly, you shouldn't think everybody's perfect because you can't see what's wrong from the outside. And I want people to know that. And, you know, people think of me as, like you said, very confident and successful, and I really appreciate that. But I have my own insecurities. I have my own flaws. I have my own defects. And I think that it was, it felt good to be able to share that. And, you know, I wonder if everybody would be as willing to accept that when it even comes to physical appearance and flaws. We're much more judgmental when it comes to physical appearance for some reason. Thank you for sharing that, Malini. So on the same note, because you have worked with closely with so many Bollywood stars and has the opportunity to see them closely and see the things that which, you know, general public are not able to see. And uh, so what are some of the things that people, most people believe about these stars that are not true? I think that people seem to forget that they're also just people. They're people who started off with the same insecurities, everyone, nobody was born uh, with the perfect life. You know what I mean? They all had their demons, whether they're rich or star kids or somebody who started off from scratch. And I think that people don't realize that they are close friends and they are, you know, people who support each other. I think people like to hear the drama more and the negativity more. But there is a lot of love in the industry. There is a lot of support as well. Uh, I'm not saying it's perfect. If you look at any industry, you see in the Me Too movement, touched every industry, not just entertainment. So I think people should realize that at the end of the day, these are also people following their dream, wanting to live the perfect life. And if you put them on too high a pedestal, and then expect them to be perfect all the time, they're not going to succeed at that. There's no way anybody can be perfect all the time or be uh, make everyone happy all the time. So I think it's important for people to remember that aspect. And I think to take everything a little less seriously, you know, just because you didn't like what somebody wore one day or you didn't like uh, the way they acted in a movie, it's okay. You don't have to spend so much time and energy dissing it or ranting about it, because you should also step back and look at yourself and say, would I have been able to do this? You know, and if somebody's putting themselves out there and trying to do something, trying to do some art or trying to do some work, then you should respect that and encourage that. I'm not saying you have to love everything. I'm not saying you have to say you love everything. But the number one rule I wish people would remember, especially online, is only say in the comments or reviews or on your blogs, something that you would be willing to say to somebody's face. Don't hide behind your computer and say whatever you want because you don't have to face them. Yeah, I think I love that part because um, I think you also mentioned that at one of the interviews that, you know, uh, early on in your career that you were writing a lot of gossip and stuff about the, uh, you know, stars. And then, you know, you realized that, you know what, I'm not going to write something that I'm not able to say on their face. I think that's a really good filter for people to put before they put anything out there. Yeah. on the internet. And as you rightly mentioned, it's really important for us to understand that we all have our vulnerable self. We all have our shortcomings. And we all, as I mentioned earlier, is, you know, we all are made of our own flaws. Yeah. Right. And we all have that. Right. So let's not forget that they also have their flaws. Awesome. So what's the one thing that you are most afraid of? Oh, what am I most afraid of? I mean, I guess everybody has their fear of cockroaches and heights and all of that. I oh, no, I'm not talking about yeah, those. <laughs> I know, I know. I think my biggest fear is, you know, being forgotten after I'm gone. I think that's a fear that everyone has, that I want to leave a legacy behind. I want people to remember me. I think the biggest fear people have of death is not so much the dying, but 
disappearing from people's memories. So I think I probably have that same fear. I have seen you high in energy and, uh, you know, and I looked at early days videos of yours and to now, if there is one thing that has been constant, then that's been your energy and confidence, right? So is there any rituals or maybe some daily kind of activity that you keep to keep your energy high? Because I'm sure it's not easy to stay on high because we all have our own ups and downs in our lives. So is there any rituals or activity that you do to stay high? I don't actually, you know, I'm very uh, unhealthy that way. I don't work out. I'm not into yoga or eating super healthy food. So I think it just comes from a great deal of FOMO. I don't want to miss out. So I think I have a lot of energy. (laughs) I love talking to people. I love what I do. And it makes me happy. So I think when you're happy, you end up being pretty high energy. Also, another interesting thing that just, uh, you know, thought uh, came to my mind when you were saying about, you know, I just don't want to miss anything because you are in such an industry where you need to like get a hang of a lot yeah. of things that are happening and, you know, move from one thing to the another thing. Do you also think that has kind of affected you personally in your life on whether sticking to one thing for too long time? Do you think that uh, has kind of happened with you? Well, I've been lucky that I started off doing my blog all by myself. But now I've come to a place where I have a big team. So we have a team of 65 people. And so we all work together. And it's actually made a big difference because I don't have to do everything myself. Having said that, there is a lot. And it does affect me because I'm always running, like rushing from one thing to the other. I have to keep watching the time and seeing how much time I have. So that can be a little exhausting. Um, But I find it hard to, you know, sort of take a breath and spend some time off things. I find it hard to switch off. Awesome. So another thing that I want to really talk about on our conversation, Malini, is about the girl tribe, because I'm very fascinated by the kind of work that you are doing there. You know, a lot of people know you for the celebrity blogger who always is there hanging out with the, you know, big celebrities and so on and so forth. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much impressed with the work that you are doing in the girl tribe. So for the, you know, better understanding of my listener, could you explain what girl tribe is and what are you trying to do there? Yeah, so Girl Tribe is basically a community that I created right now. It's a Facebook group, but we'll be launching an app soon as well. It's a community for women to connect with each other because unfortunately, we've seen and we've seen it a lot recently is that it's very hard to be a woman on the internet, especially on social media, because there's so much negativity, there's creepy DMs, there's guys saying all sorts of things, sometimes girls as well, and a lot of trolling. I know there's a lot of great guys. I know you are. I have so many in my life. But unfortunately, guys and girls don't play well on the internet together. And as a result, women can't use social media the way they would like to. They can't talk about very personal things. There's a lot of attacks. There's people being very defensive or aggressive. So I wanted to create a community where people feel feel safe and empathetic. And I'm very happy to report now we have 45,000 women in the community from over 100 countries. And we talk about everything. And it's so nice because when you go to normal social media, you'll see Only celebrities or influencers have lots of comments and fans. And people come online hoping to connect with people. They're like, oh, wow, now I have access to 3 million, 4 billion, sorry, 3, 4 billion people online. But they end up not really getting that many likes or comments. And you feel even more lonely in comparison. But the great thing in Girl Tribe is everybody is the hero. Everybody gets a reply, hundreds of replies on what they say. We talk about everything. It's kind of like a Google for girls. You come in and it's not that you're searching a search engine. You're searching through people's experience and minds and really getting to know what is going on and getting very authentic responses and feedback on everything. So I think that's kind of the purpose of it and creating a community. So again, like I said, I want people to always remember 
what they would do in real life in a situation. And we're very cognizant that in the community, it's about empathy, kindness, and positivity. So even if you disagree, you have to disagree respectfully, just like you would in real life. You know, if you're having a conversation and you don't like what someone said, you wouldn't start screaming at them or yelling at them or hurling abuses at them. You'd say, no, no, I don't agree. And here's why. So that's kind of what we're doing. We're trying to reinvent social media. And with the Girl Tribe app, what we want to do is it's not so much about how many likes and followers and comments you get. It's how many likes and how much love and how much engagement you give other people. So creating positive karma, creating positivity points for yourself is the key. Wow, that's beautiful. So also, now that you have built this very strong brand out there, so what are some of the entrepreneurial lessons that you have learned along the way of, uh, you know, and, and building the team and maybe, you know, being an entrepreneur yourself? I guess the biggest lessons I've learned are to have patience. It takes a while for like if every overnight success takes a decade, as you know. Uh, I think it's to listen more than you speak. I learned that. I'm still learning that because you learn so much from your team is to create a nice layer of management and give them the power to take decisions, to make mistakes and to learn from them. It's to take the time to put some process into place so people have structure and they know how to function. And it's to create great company culture. I think it's really important not to forget that people are doing what they're doing to be happy, to feel accomplished. And if you don't create an environment where they can thrive and they feel good about what they do and you just treat them as you know factory workers, it's not going to be a great environment. Are you a perfection freak? I am a little, yeah, I have OCD in that sense that I really think grammar and language has to be perfect. I do have a short temper sometimes too, but I simmer pretty quickly. So it's a bunch of those things for sure. Uh, but I think it's really, um, it's a mix of learning different things that makes you who you are. Yeah, I can totally you know, forgive you because you are English major and uh, <laughs> you'd want the grammar English perfect, but you are going to hit me for that. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Just uh, awesome. So now, who is the one Bollywood actor or actress that you admire the most and why? I admire so many of them, but I think somebody I really admire is Sushmita Sen because she's so smart, she's so kind, she's so empathetic, and she really has been so ahead of her time. You know, she adopted two girls by herself before it was even, it was unimaginable and even couples weren't adopting. And I love what she said. I told her once about, you know, how a lot of people, when somebody adopts, they say, Ki ye nahi hai. and she had the best description of how to answer that question. She said, you know, think about the fact that when you get married to someone, you fall in love, you choose a complete stranger, jo tumara khun nahi hai, and everybody comes to celebrate the union. In fact, everyone is encouraged to do that and choose one person and spend your life with them. So then why can't you do that with children who are so malleable, wow. who are, you know, so much more open uh, to affection and can become part of your life and your family and your home? Why don't we celebrate that the same way? And I thought that was so simple, so obvious and so brilliant, but nobody has ever put it that way. Awesome. So now... Malini, we have this segment called Enlightening Round. It's a kind of a rapid sure. fire try and, uh, you know, keep the answers as short as possible. What inspires you to do everything that you do? Uh, leaving a legacy, wanting to leave a legacy. Which one daily habit do you believe has been game changer for you in your success journey? I think spending time with friends. As long as you spend some time with your friends, it's a great decompressor. Best piece of advice that you have received in your life? Don't wish time away. What was the one wrong belief 
you have held for the longest time in your life about yourself? That I don't have what it takes to be a businesswoman. Tell us more about that. I think that, you know, because I didn't study business, I never imagined that I could run a company. And so I would always be nervous that people would judge me or not take my opinion seriously. But I realized that my only critic in that scenario was me. It wasn't anyone else. And uh, that's been a great learning. Awesome. So you mentioned about leaving a legacy. What do you want to be remembered for? I want to be remembered for somebody who made the internet a kinder and more empathetic and safer place for women. Awesome. You are already on that path. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Awesome. So could you share a book or two that has influenced you in the recent past? Uh, my all-time favorite book is a book called Still Life with Woodpecker by Tom Robbins. And I think it's just beautifully written. I love the turn of phrase. And I like a little, um, there's a book called Pretty Little Things, which is just little notes and stories and answers to questions, which I really love. Awesome. If you were to start this journey all over again, what are those three things that you would have done differently? I think I would have worried less about the things that uh, I really sillily worried about. I think I would have probably had a little more patience in times where I lost my tempo sometimes because you have to do that. And I think I would have probably started saving money earlier. Awesome. All right, Maliti, I have one last question sure. uh, left for you. But before I ask that question, um, you know, I'd like to congratulate on all the amazing Thank work you. that you are putting out. And uh, uh, also, as you mentioned, you know, uh, that you are trying to make the internet much safer, much kindness, uh, kind place. And also with the, you know, good news thing that you do. Yeah. Uh, that's a, such a nice thing, you know, where you bring all these good things that's happening with all the negativity that's going around. And for the people listening to this, I highly encourage you guys to go and check her book, To the Moon, How I Blogged My Way to Bollywood. It's such a, it's an autobiographical, but she does it on the, you know, Miss Malin style. Uh, you know, she talked to you as a friend and she, you know, navigated through her entire journey. It's, it's a great read. I loved uh, reading that. Thank you for, you know, sharing uh, some of the things that, you know, you haven't shared on the book. So with that, how can people reach out to you if they would like to reach out and get in touch with you? So it's very simple. My email is malini at missmalini.com. I'm always on social media. My personal handle is malini Agarwal. If you DM me, you'll get a reply. Awesome. All right. Here's the last question for you. Imagine this. You are standing on a stadium. And this one is the largest stadium that has ever been built in the history of the world. And there are millions of people on that stadium. And you are on stage. And you have been given only one minute of the time to share the most important lesson that you have learned in your life. What would be your message? Wow. First of all, I would be super nervous uh, standing there and I would probably say that or I would have <laughs> taken two people with me as moral support, wearing moral support t-shirts sitting in the front row. I think I would say the <laughs> most important lesson in life is that you have to remember that we're not here to run a race just to make money to become popular, to become famous. We're here to experience things, to meet people, to have relationships. Um, there's a line from a movie called Moulin Rouge that says the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. And that's not always romantic love. It could be with friends, with what you do, with the people you meet. And I think it's so important that we remember that. Don't take yourself too seriously. Be a good person, be kind, be humble, and be positive. What's the biggest lie that has been told to us about success? That success will make you happy. Talk more about that. 
I think that people think if you're very successful or rich or famous, you'll be happy. That's not what brings you happiness. What brings you happiness is emotional happiness. And yes, sometimes success contributes to emotional happiness. But the true emotional happiness comes from your relationships with your friends, with your family, with your colleagues, with God, whatever you believe in. Awesome. It's been an incredible conversation with you, Malini. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It was great talking to you, Vijay. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation with Ms. Malini. I hope you learned something or got some inspiration from this episode. If you did, please share this episode with your friends by visiting the show notes page at theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 9696. And as you know, we are soon hitting 100 episodes of the podcast and I would love to know what do you feel about the show. I invite you to share your feedback and if you have any personal transformation stories or if the show in any way has helped you, I would love to hear from you. You can send me a voice message by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash speak. That is theinspiringtalk.com forward slash S-P-E-A-K, speak. Go ahead and record your message right away and I might feature some of those in upcoming episodes. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring. Inspiring.